Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Global Geek News Podcast. This is episode number 49 of the Global Geek News Podcast, and as always, I am your host, Jeremy Bray, alongside my co-host, Wesley Faulkner. How's it going, Wesley? Things are going well. It's the holiday season. I'm off work for the rest of the year. Uh, Can't wait for Christmas and New Year's. Lucky you. I've got work, work, and schoolwork. (laughs) But, yeah, holidays don't seem to mean too much around here, at least not as far as getting much time off work. I mean, I got Christmas off work, but that's about it. I don't seem to get much in the way of a break from school or anything, but I don't know. I've never cared much for Christmas or anything anyway, as far as I'm concerned. It's just another day, so it doesn't really bother me any. Well, yeah, I got got other types of work to do during the break other than full-time work, so I'll I'll stay busy. You still working on um, doing some remodeling and stuff? Yes and no. Most of it's done, uh, but we told the contractors basically to stop wherever they are and uh, continue after the holidays. Uh, we have a couple of minor things left to do. Uh, the, the thermostat in our bathroom for the heated tiles is not working. Uh, one of the tiles is crooked. That needs to be fixed. They put some glue on the wall that needs to be removed. Uh, but, you know, minor stuff. It's still The place is livable. Uh, sounds like you're nearing the home stretch. Yeah. yeah that'll, that'll be nice. Yeah, can't wait till it's over. Yeah, I know the feeling. It's like we're constantly doing something around here, whether it's putting up a fence or repainting a room, repainting the windows, you name it. We've been, it's pretty much been nonstop doing one thing after another all year long. Weren't you working on your garage, too? Yeah, I got new garage doors up, cleaned out the garage for the first time, and I don't know if it's actually ever really been cleaned out. Right. Um, yeah, we've done all kinds of stuff this year. But Foundation? No, I haven't really done anything with that, but it's more been painting, had a new roof put on, um, I'm doing some digging out in the front yard for putting in kind of like a little patio for a swing and stuff and had some plumbing issues that we had to deal with where we had to dig up a good portion of the backyard to find uh, where we could get into the pipes and roto root them out and stuff like that. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, it hasn't been a very fun time, but I don't know, hopefully now that it's winter it'll kind of slow down a little bit. But anyway, um, we have one more show again for left for this month, which we are going to make our prediction show. So if anybody would like to give us any predictions or anything for what's going to happen next year in the world of media, entertainment, and technology, stick them in the comments, drop me an email, which I will give that out later on in the show, or... Twitter us or something like that, but if you're interested in giving your predictions, let us know and we'll be, and we'll certainly share those in the show next week. Speaking of which, don't forget to check out the Global Geek News blog at globalgeeknews.com/blog, where we have continuing coverage most of the week. It just kind of depends about what kind of time I have. We've had a good number of post lately. There's one that I was particularly proud of last week, where Google is getting ready to take street views indoors. Apparently, when I heard this from Andy Abramson on Ken Radio, I guess this was back on December 3rd, I guess. Um, Apparently, the Google Street View team or whatever is now going inside of public places like hotels and bars and clubs and restaurants and stuff like that, and doing 360 panoramic panoramas of indoor public places and not just the streets. No clue when that's going to be announced or launched or anything, but they are working on it, which sounds pretty cool to me. But anyway, we do have plenty of news this week. I was kind of surprised at just how much news we would have for the week before Christmas. So I'm sure next yeah. week it'll be pretty much a dud. But go ahead and get started off with DirecTV is getting sued by Washington State, alleging 
16 counts of unfair, deceptive, and unethical business practices. Yeah, apparently they're using uh, hardball tactics to get people in contracts and don't disclose exact details of the contracts, and when people try to get out of them, they hit them with penalties. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised by this, because I was, I was, last year I was, or well, I guess it was in the fall, I was looking at switching to DirecTV, just because Comcast tends to be one nightmare after the other, and had I heard this, I would never have even considered DirecTV, I mean, they're talking about um, failure to disclose, like, early termination fees, service maintenance fees, rebate terms... Um, negative option billing, unconscionable enforcement of contract to which there has been no mutual consent, um, failure to honor promotional offers, imposing... Yeah, and this last one is a big one. Yeah, and imposing charges where there's no service has been provided. Yeah, that, that sucks that you have to pay for something that you're not even getting service for it. it. And apparently they got a flood of complaints over the last 11 months and they months and they tried to settle it out of court, but DirecTV didn't want to do uh, to make any changes to their current policies and so they had to go public and and file an official complaint and then they got 59 additional complaints within 24 hours of it becoming public. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that assuming this is as prevalent as it is, that Washington State is the only one that seems to be going after him so far. Although, I wouldn't surprise me if this is the first of many lawsuits, assuming that this doesn't change their business practices like it should. Yeah, I wonder if this DirecTV proper or uh, authorized reseller, because I know they have, uh, like, every part of the sale is contracted, from the person that comes to put it on your roof to the person you actually make the appointment with and then to the billing company that eventually gets sent over to direct to direct TV uh, I wonder and in what of which of the phases that most of these complaints are coming from yeah, I don't know it seems to be the suits against direct TV itself but I don't know with as much as they contract stuff out I don't know how um, how much of DirecTV is at fault here, or if it's just all the contracted people, but I think that's just kind of one of the things that tends to happen when you contract people to do this kind of stuff instead of doing it yourself. Yeah. Uh, it's one thing is when your, incentive, in, when your incentives are what options the customer picks, some people might not disclose, hey, you should choose this option like an optional warranty. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people might even ask the customer, hey, do you want to get the optional warranty and just might check the box for the customer and assume that if they have a problem with it, they'll call DirecTV and get it removed and just pocket the bonus for at least selling that option initially. Mm-hmm. Things, when, when, when people are motivated by money, there's, there, there's no extent that they'll cease to try to game the system to get more. Yeah, it's one of the sad things, I think, most of the time, but I don't know, I understand why they do it, but I I still don't necessarily care for it. But at least they're not invading privacy like Netflix seems to be. Yeah, um, releasing anonymous data sets are, um, when they did it for their Netflix, Netflix prize, apparently they didn't figure that people could put two and two together and figure out who's real, who the real identities are. Of the, uh, of the of the anonymous data sets. Yeah, this part of the story doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, apparently um, this was an in-the-closet lesbian mother that is suing Netflix over privacy invasion, which I would assume now that this has come to light, she's not that in-the-closet anymore. Yeah. But anyway, apparently... When they were doing the $1 million contest for improving the recommendation system, I guess there were, while no individual customers' um, stuff was um, released to the teams to work with as a data set, there w- the data did have like zip codes, birth dates, genders, and stuff, 
and supposedly using that you can get it to about an 87% chance of um, uniquely identifying a person. Yeah, didn't we do a story about if you had, uh, through a Facebook profile, you, you could probably get like within uh, that same kind of accuracy of figuring out someone's social security number, because you could figure out what state they're from and what year they're born, then you could figure out what their social security number is possibly. I, th- I think this is kind of falling in that same set. Yeah, I remember that story. It seems like that was from like in Massachusetts or something like that as I recall I'd, I'd have to even look to see which show we talked about that on I know it was earlier this year but yeah you can find if you even have just a little bit about somebody you can find pretty much anything out about them that you want to there's been a number of times when I've wanted to find out who somebody is online all I maybe have is say maybe a username or something like that and from that I can usually gain a person's full name address phone number there have been times when I can usually even go on Google Street View get pictures of their apartment or house I mean, just a tiny bit of information you can find out anything you want about a person so I would seriously doubt that she did that this lady doesn't already have that little bit of information out there that would identify who she is well, the lessons that we learn, the lesson that we learn from this story is don't mess with Jeremy. He'll find you. He will find you. Yeah, you wouldn't be the first. <laughs> but, yeah, that was, I don't know, it, it, it's just one of those screwy kind of stories. I, I really don't think that Netflix is going to um, be hurt by this. I, I would assume that if anything, they'd maybe settle this out of court. But I, it just doesn't seem like she's got that much of a leg to stand on. Well, the thing is, I don't believe the terms of service in Netflix allows them to share your data with third parties. Even though it might say that they collect the data, I don't think it's anywhere that... Like, I don't remember signing anything, and I'm a Netflix subscriber, saying that they that they are allowed to give my data to third parties. I think that's part of it. The other part is that the people that gained access to that data set, I don't think that they had to sign anything saying that the data is private and not to disclose it to anyone else or uh, anything like that, or it's only used, uh, intended to be used for this contest only and not for any other type of uh, personal use. Yeah, as I recall, I think they use like an OAuth kind of thing like Twitter does where if you want to share your Netflix information on, say, Facebook, you'd have to, it'll bounce you to the Netflix site. You say, yes, I give this website permission to use the data, and then it'll take you back to Facebook or whatever. And I believe that's kind of how it works. But I don't know. If, I don't think I've ever seen anything as far as giving it away to third parties or anything, but I'm not sure on that. But I, I don't know. Now that I think about it, yeah, I, I think they didn't realize that um, how much they, they were giving away, or what people could figure out from "quote unquote" anonymous data sets. Um, to, to me, like to, to a novice, I can understand how they might not understand that people can reconstruct that data. Uh, but I guess they do now, and I hope that the one million dollars or the multi-million dollars that they save by doing this contest. Uh, will be enough to settle some of this suit, these suits. Um, did it say that it's going class action? Or is uh, it just a... Not that I saw, but I'm kind of curious to know how it is that she knows for certain that her profile and her movie selections and stuff were even included in the data set given to the um, competing teams. That's true. Unless someone contacted her. Yeah, maybe so. I I don't know. It, it there's something missing to this story. I'm not exactly sure what it is. But anyway, well, speaking well, uh, of things that just don't make a whole lot of sense, apparently the fourth most used search term by toddlers is porn. Yeah, I I, don't, <laughs> I didn't know that there were enough toddlers that knew what porn was to be able to search for it. 
but I guess if they have their own uh, email accounts or access to their own computers, uh, I think I would experience porn a lot earlier in my life. Yeah, I, this didn't make a whole lot of sense to me at all. I mean, I don't see... I mean, some of these on the list here for the ages 7 and under, top search results being YouTube, Google, Facebook, Porn, Club Penguin, Yahoo, Webkins, YouTube again, which, why you have YouTube on there twice, I'm really not sure. Um, There's a space. There's a space uh, in there. Yeah, spelling thing, I guess. Then Games and Miniclip, which Miniclip, I think, is the only one I haven't heard of on there. But I don't even know why they would be looking up Facebook. They can't have Facebook accounts at that age. Unless they lie, which is easy to do. Yeah. Well, still, at that age, parents should be keeping an eye on what their children are doing, and they should know that they can't sign up for websites like that and stuff anyway. Yeah, if I have kids, uh, they will not have a computer where they can easily access it uh, without my supervision. And also, I would routinely look at the history to see what, what they are into. Or, even better, uh, look at, at the router level so to make sure they can't clear their cache or cookies um, and, and hide the, the sites they've been visiting. But, um, maybe this is a group computer. So, I don't understand how they understand what age groups are who. How do they know it's seven and under? That's kind of hard. I'm not sure unless if maybe they were just kind of monitoring the usage of families that allowed their usage to be monitored in terms of, like, what they're Googling and stuff. Oh, like a Nielsen family? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, basically. But that kind of surprised me, considering um, porn is at the same level that's the fourth most used search term as sex is for tweens and teens. But it, it just yeah. I it just amazes me that that's even in the top ten for toddlers. Yeah. Well, for teens, it's not a surprise to see that between number four sex and number six porn, there's MySpace, which is both. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't even pay that close attention to that one, but yeah, that's pretty much accurate. <laughs> but. Yeah, I, I was. Some of these just kind of seem a little strange to me. I mean, I don't know. I never saw eBay as being that big with teens, which is apparently ranked number nine. Yeah, it's good. There's Wikipedia though. That that's a glimmer of hope, I guess. Yeah, I guess that's better than finding places to rip off essays and stuff. I guess. At least you're doing your own work then, or your yeah. your own research, kind of. And the, the tweens like the YouTube. It's on there three times. Yeah, that one doesn't surprise me too much. I'm still not real sure what this mini clip is. I'll have to look into that one though. Yeah, same here. Apparently, the teen the tweens are even liking eBay. That's number ten for them. But yeah, those are some surprising figures. That's one of the good things, or one of the things I find most interesting about this time of year is when, like, the search engines and stuff come up with their top search terms and stuff. Of the, yeah, of the year. Yeah. Yeah, it's always kind of interesting to see just kind of the audience that you have with, like, a... when you compare, like, a Google and a Yahoo, which I don't even think we talked about that on the show, but I know those lists are out. But... Anyway, speaking of things that just don't make a whole lot of sense, apparently the Horrible Geek Squad at the... um, at some Worst Buy store, or, well, I guess some people call it Best Buy, uh, apparently at one of their stores, I guess somebody went to take in their netbook or whatever that they had wiped Windows off of and put Ubuntu Linux on there and apparently after about four months the touchpad and the power adapter stopped working so he went in to go 
tell the Geek Squad guys to fix it or replace it or whatever. Well, apparently, if you install Linux on your netbook, it voids the warranty. Yeah, I think the from reading the article, it says that the warranty was worded worded in a way that that there's that they're basically left open, saying if you you're not responsible for mal, uh, malware, viruses, or any unauthorized software. And so he was saying that uh, basically Linux is unauthorized software. And yeah. go ahead. Yeah, this is basically one big story about a guy getting kicked out of worst by several different times just over this whole kind of same issue where apparently the manager ref- says that it's that doing this voided the warranty and this and the whole um, malware virus unauthorized modifications thing is the clause that he stuck to as far as why he's saying that the warranty was voided which when you say unauthorized modifications that generally means hardware not software right well the best the worst part of this is that he was told to leave the store both times that he went there to complain about the not the 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 malfunction of his touchpad and his power brick which have nothing to do with software maybe the touchpad a little bit possibly but uh, he loaded Windows to prove that the problem happened in both Linux and Windows, but they said no, Linux permanently voided his warranty. Yeah, apparently whoever works at the Geek Squad there is not a real geek, and they're just pretty much a bunch of idiots. Yeah, unfortunately we're probably also going to see a lot more of this since their competition is virtually... Uh, castrated and there are no more other there are no more big big box store chains that are around well i believe walmart was getting ready to do something like the geek squad as i recall that's true but they're still not up and running and um we'll we'll have yet to see if they're on par with best buy in in terms of selection yeah well at least the best buy corporate decided to back this guy up said that he would be allowed to return the computer to another store or whatever, would get a $25 gift card, and like the regional manager and the store manager and stuff had been notified about the issue. And so they're trying what they can to um, make things better, but it just doesn't seem like they're trying very hard compared to what this guy has gone through. Yeah, they should have done more than that. But then again, as I said, what else is he going to do? They're saying that the last page of the warranty said they have the right to refuse any service. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't know you can re- re- refuse rights of a warranty, but uh, um, I guess that's my bag. Yeah, that was essentially kind of the catch-all that the manager claimed at the last minute was that he has the right to refuse service to anybody. Oh, and there was one other detail I forgot to mention. Apparently this guy spent $80 on a special um, warranty plan for this netbook. So yeah, black, pat- black tie, I think it was called. Yeah, the black tie protection plan. So outside of the manufacturer warranty, he also purchased this black tie protection plan from Best Buy, which is supposedly, according to the Best Buy website, goes above and beyond the manufacturer's warranty. So why he didn't just fall back to the manufacturer's warranty, I'm not real sure. I mean, he shouldn't have to, but that seems to be... When something like that happens, like when your touchpad goes wrong, I don't think there's a whole lot that the Geek Squad can do about it. That's something you really have to contact the manufacturer about anyway. Well, I think they said that... Uh, I mean, it's, they're supposed to cover it. So I think he wanted... With, when you go through the Best Buy, I think there's an option saying that they're, they can do an even exchange right there at the store so you don't have to worry about it being sent back and coming back. And also, uh, if they don't have one, uh, they give you a brand new one right there at the store. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the convenience of that black tie warranty, is that you don't have to call the manufacturer, set up an RMA, send it off, wait for it to be fixed, and wait for it to come back. Uh, it's just sad that they don't follow um, the letter of their own law about servicing their own contracts. 
Yeah, well, the extended warranties and stuff that you buy at the store are always considered to be the sucker purchase anyway, because most of the time if a product's going to fail, it's going to fail within the warranty period provided by the manufacturer. So, and it's not like you're always going to have, you're usually going to use a device for three years, and even computers, I think the average replacement time on them is every two years. So it's not like you're really going to always be using it or whatever. So generally that's just money that goes straight into the salesperson's pocket and when you purchase stuff like that and it just never really and a lot of people buy that just for a little bit of extra security but you really don't get a whole lot out of it and this kind of brings the whole idea of a sucker purchase to a whole nother level. Yeah, just so you, so if you guys did the math, uh, eighty dollars for a three hundred dollar netbook uh, is approximately twenty five percent increase. So that's not a good investment. Yeah, that's just one of those things where you just learn. You, if something goes wrong, buy some spare parts or an extra power brick or whatever off of eBay for the same price or less. Yeah, and plus, they said that he had this for four months before he had it before it broke, which would have co- which is covered in the manufacturer warranty. So it's totally a waste of money. Mm-hmm. Well, at least they weren't um, causing him grief because he was fat. Ooh, not like Microsoft anyway. <laughs> yeah, apparently Microsoft has filed for a new patent on shaming fat gamers. Uh, this one kind of surprised me a little bit. Apparently. It'll make your avat at your uh, like your Xbox Live avatar more individualized to your physical characteristic. So if you're overweight, your avatar's gonna be overweight, and it's the, all kinds of different stuff as far as how this relates. As far as like if you exercise or whatever, it'll get thinner, and basically it'll do whatever you it can up to even banning you from the service just to get you to go out and exercise and stuff instead of playing on your console the whole time. Now, doesn't Wii Fit do this with your Mii already? Uh, that I don't know. I've never really had a chance to look into the whole Wii Fit thing. I, I believe we'll be having one around the house here by the end of the week. But I've never... Really? Yeah, apparently my mom wanted one for Christmas, so from what I hear, she's getting a Wii Fit. Oh, nice. So, yeah, I've never had a chance to play with myself, but then again, I've never been much of one for exercising like I should. Mm. So Microsoft is targeting you, maybe. I'm guessing the only way that this is going to work, if this is going to be like a parental control kind of thing... Yeah, I couldn't see anyone opting into this. Yeah, if this is... I can definitely see this as like a parental control, but I don't see anybody in their right mind opting into this just for the heck of it. Oh, maybe this is tied in with their... What is it? Their their camera sensor thing, thing that's coming out that they demonstrated at E3? Uh, Natal. Natal, yeah. Yeah, this this could be a part of that with Natal coming out. Uh, I think I heard like around June or maybe it's later in the year next year. I can't I can't think of when that's supposed to come out now. But yeah, this I would assume that that could definitely be a part of it. And it sounds like maybe it would even incorporate like a Fitbit kind of to determine just how much you're exercising and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which. I don't know if that would, if that for sure would be a Fitbit, but it sounds like that would be a perfect partnership for somebody like Fitbit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if Nintendo can have a have a health sensor, uh, Microsoft surely can incorporate something like a Fitbit, which I think that's part of the demographic they're aiming for is the the Wii and the the fitness crowd that's being attracted to the Wii. Mm-hmm. Well, it, to me, this almost seems like it's getting a little bit too personal. Even if you're using this as like a um, parental control kind of thing, because this is taking information 
like your education level, your location, age, sex, um, and IQ, socioeconomic class, occupation, um, marital status, religious beliefs, political affiliation. It just seems like it's taking it a little bit on the too far side. Yes. That sounds like way too much information that a game console should have. Yeah, I don't see what, like, a religious belief would have anything to do with it. Is it going to tell me that because I have a certain religious belief, I can't play Halo? All right. I mean, if you worship Buddha, maybe uh, being a little bit bigger is is <laughs> is not something that's uh, against your religion. Yeah, I, I don't know. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I, I don't know, I'm guessing maybe this is some kind of a thing where... If you're a vegetarian, you can't play a game where you go through with a chainsaw killing cows or something. I don't know. Yeah, well, uh, it could also be um, a blocking patent. Maybe they're just trying to think of weird things that no one would do and just make sure they have the patent to to make sure no one else could do it, if, even if they thought about it. Yeah, that seems to be kind of a popular thing a lot of times. But at least... They made some good decisions with Windows 7 that they don't seem to be getting a whole lot of flack with that. Yeah, that's pretty cool that uh, Windows 7 is getting less tech support calls. Um, about half as much as Vista? Uh, no, this is even less than that. This is half of what they were expecting for Windows 7, which is a whole lot less than the calls that they were getting for Vista. Wow. Well, I mean, I can understand most of the systems that are getting Windows 7 are on uh, new computers, and so you would ha- you would expect less problems with brand new systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm considering. I know a lot of people are upgrading and stuff. I was kind of surprised that this is half of the number that they were expecting, which they're still not saying what the actual numbers are. It's kind of like Amazon in that respect, but apparently they're working on using other methods of getting people help by going with Twitter, which apparently their account is at Microsoft Helps, and apparently they have Microsoft Answers, which is, Mm -hmm. it sounds like it's kind of like a message board or a tech support site in like a Q&A format for helping people with their issues. And also, the help built into Windows 7 is fairly good. Yeah, I've I've been real surprised with Windows 7. I'm I, finally getting to where I feel like I need to upgrade from the release candidate to the actual retail version, which, just because I think there's a couple other things and some more fixes and stuff along the way in there. But I, I've been amazed at just how good Windows 7 is and how well it works with stuff, and I'm not saying that just because I'm a Microsoft insider. Uh, yeah, same here. I've, I haven't had that many problems with it. Um, I've actually had ex- increased battery life. Uh, my fan uh, speed is lower because the heat for my processor is lower. I don't know what they did, but they really increased the the power, the power and the and the the idle uh, to 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 reduce how much power this thing really sucks down. Yeah, when I went to PDC, what was it, I guess it's been about two months ago, they talked about a number of the things as far as how it gets better battery life as far as like shutting down stuff or putting stuff in sleep states when it's not using it, um, how it deals with processes where if a process doesn't need to fire it at an exact specific like millisecond or whatever, it'll group a number of processes together so there's little gaps in between so where the processor can go idle and it only uses as much of the processor as it needs in terms of like the sockets and stuff and there's some really cool stuff that they did to kind of optimize it in terms of power i know i've noticed on my netbooks that it that i'll get like an extra hour or so worth of battery life on them which is really nice but there's there's some really nice stuff in there with it and speaking of which if you're looking to get your CPU usage down even more assuming you have a compatible video card check out the flash 10.1 beta 
where it offloads some of the um, flash processing onto the GPU, which is really nice. It it doesn't do the best job in the world, but it does a pretty good job as to where if you're wanting to watch like four YouTube videos at the same time, it's not constantly stuttering or anything. Yeah, I had a problem with that, the 10.1. Some, some websites didn't detect that I had the right version of Flash for 10.1. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, I had problems on my laptop uh, because I have an ATI graphics card. And with PowerPlay, you know, it'll go from discrete to integrated, from plugged into battery. And I've been watched, I've, I've had some videos playing, and I would unplug it in the middle of the video and it'll switch from the discrete to integrated and really, really, really hammer hammer the video quality and my processor utilization. Huh. Yeah, well, it's it's still in beta, so I'm sure that's probably why there's still some issues like that exist. But so far, I haven't really had much of any issues with it. I'm, I was expecting a little bit more of a performance boost than what there is, but it's certainly better than what it has been because that the amount of CPU that Flash uses has always been my single biggest complaint of about Flash. Yeah, I wonder when HTML5 comes out if some of that will be uh, uh, be done more efficiently so we won't have to lean on Flash for most of the content on the web. I just think everybody needs to switch to Silverlight. <laughs> Would you oh. say Insider? Uh, yeah, I am a Microsoft Insider, <laughs> full disclosure. Um, but at least with the Silverlight, with the new version that I think is out in beta now and it's supposed to be coming out uh, next year, they finally have, you're able to use like your um, webcam and microphone on it like you can Flash, which I think that's kind of really the one big thing that's kind of holding it back from being used with streaming sites like a Justin.tv or Ustream or Stickam or stuff like that. Yeah, um, the good thing about about Silverlight, it seems to be uh, like really growing up really quickly. The, from one generation to the next, there have been major improvements, and it seems like they're listening to the community. So I vote for Silverlight as in a future standard. Right now, it's still a little immature from my taste, just because of uh, the amount of sites that support it. But it, it's it's being taken care of by Microsoft. It's not something that they look like they're going to abandon abandoned. They they keep improving it, improving it. Unlike Flash, it just seems to get more bloated every release. Yeah, that, that was probably... Um, Silver Silverlight was probably the one thing that I came out most excited about from PDC, which if you go back and watch it, I think it was the keynotes on the second day of PDC, you can see all the new stuff that they have with Silver with the new version of Silverlight that is in beta now or in technical preview or something like that that'll be out in I think like the first half of next year but it, it's it's amazing how far they're coming with each iteration of it but I don't know I just kind of hope that it would they would have more of it on mobile phones I think maybe that might be something that might help them in the Windows mobile platform at least try and fight off the iPhone a little bit. Yeah, so the iPhone doesn't have Flash or uh, Silverlight right now anyways, uh, but it looks like it does, it's not needed. It has enough power and enough apps to take on Windows Mobile. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how they were doing it, but there was one of the demos for Silverlight at PDC was they were... Well, they, they had some technical issues... But apparently now you can, with Silverlight, you can stream video and stuff to the iPhone with some kind of a, uh, I don't even remember what the technology is, some media streaming something or other. So you can, to an extent, you can do it on the iPhone, but I don't think you can have the full Silverlight experience on something like that. Yeah, not if Apple has anything to do with it. That might be jailbroken, possibly. Yeah. But yeah, I was I was kind of surprised when I saw this. Apparently, uh, as of October, Windows Mobile has now overtaken the iPhone. In terms oh, the of, other way around. Other way around. Or oh yeah, the other way around. 
the iPhone has overtaken Windows Mobile, and Google still has yet to take over Symbian. Yeah, and RIM has a huge, huge lead on everyone. I was kind of surprised at just how large of a jump that RIM took between July and October. Yeah, uh, they, I, I, I thought it would be diminishing by, sh- by, by, you know, by, le- by, you know, big chunks with with the uh, iPhone um, coming out um, and the different iterations, but. RIM hasn't really had a major OS or a really major device release. I mean, we have the Storm and the Storm 2, but that's about it. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised they jumped by around 2 million customers between July and October, where in the same period, the iPhone looks to have jumped about 2.5 million. So I, I'm kind of surprised, considering there's no killer BlackBerry out there right now, which I think is a bit of an issue for RIM. But then again, if they keep having issues like they did last week where all of the email services and stuff were down for at least all morning and were slow pretty much all day, that number probably won't continue to grow at the pace that it is. Yeah, highly uh, unreliable. But uh, so is AT&T service. So... Which which goes what what goes down more is it an iPhone on AT and T or is it a BlackBerry in general? Yeah, I notice my BlackBerry tends to go down, mm, I don't know, three four times a year something like that maybe, as far as like the email and stuff, which AT and T tends to go down pretty much every few minutes just about from what I've heard, including what was it last week's operation. Oh, no, I can't think of it. Uh, Operation something or other, where they were, like, Operation Overload or something like that, where they were pretty much everybody who knew what was going on with an iPhone was just hitting AT&T's network with as much data usage as they could, pulling, like, YouTube videos and streaming Pandora and stuff like that to bring the... to do whatever they could to basically do... cause a denial of service attack and bring the whole network down just to try and prove a point to AT&T's CEO or whatever it was that made his idiotic statements last week about um, cutting down on the bandwidth hogs. Mm. Well, I didn't hear about this organized effort to take down the network, but it doesn't seem like it would take that many people. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard in a number of different places, I think in New York, it got to be really bad, which I hear in New York, it's not real wonderful anyway. But there, there were a number of reports on TechCrunch that I saw of where the network was pretty much completely unavailable in different areas of the country because of this effort. Which let me see if I can find the name of it. I know I had it somewhere. Uh, sign in here. Let's see. It was called. Ah, shoot, wrong account. Ah, okay, here we go. Um, okay, apparently it's not showing up. Anyway, Operation Something or Other, look it up on TechCrunch if you're really that interested. Do you think it succeeded? Uh, I don't know how much... I I haven't... don't think I've heard any comment from AT&T about it. I know it certainly hurt the network in a number of areas. I'm just kind of curious to know what AT&T response is, because I haven't yet heard any kind of a response from AT&T about it. Yeah. Well, that's probably what it... That's probably is their response. They usually don't comment on stuff, at least when they don't have to, anyway. Yeah. Well, speaking of cell phones, apparently there was another major thing that I was kind of surprised by. I mean, 
I was surprised by more of the volume, and that texting is apparently more popular than calling in the U.S., because between December 2007 and December 2008, texting doubled from 48 billion texts sent in December 2007 to 110 billion texts sent in December 2008. Yeah, I think Twitter could be a huge part of that, too. A, A lot of people are getting... Uh, text from Twitter of new alerts and direct messages and then the other way around of status updates. Yeah, that, that's something I never really understood, but then again when I follow, I don't know, four or 5,000 people, that's probably why. But I, I would go nuts if I had 4,000, if I was getting text message alerts from 4,000 people every couple of seconds from their Twitter updates. Yeah, the default is to get updates to the phone, right? That's the default once you've add, added a phone, that is, when you sign up. I think so. I'm, I don't know. I, I think there's different ways that you can customize it as far as you can get text message alerts from only from certain people or if you get at replies and stuff like that, I believe. But uh, I, I don't know. The whole idea of it being more popular than calling doesn't surprise me at all. That's kind of the way I am is I prefer to text if I can just because the way I see it with texting I'm not necessarily interrupting somebody I mean I could be but they don't have to immediately respond to me whereas right. if if I call them then they're kind of forced to respond to me right then assuming they don't send me to voicemail or whatever and I, I, I just to me it's more of a convenient thing where I don't have to feel like I'm um giving anybody else any issues or anything because I need something. Yeah, and sometimes the, you just need to send a quick note saying, yes, I made it to the airport, or yes, my plane landed okay, or you don't need a long, drawn-out conversation to say the same thing. A text message is easy, it's simple, and it's quick. So quick that people can do multiple in the same time span of a regular phone conversation. Yeah, that's one of the things. I mean, even though despite the fact that text messaging has gone up has essentially doubled from 10 cents per text back in 2005 to 20 cents in 2008 for basically no reason um that it's one of the things that it's just the way I've gotten to used to it like you said I mean you can fire off several text messages and you can be texting with several different people at the same time too which is nice but my real issue is that I have only have, I believe it's 450 minutes a month on my phone, and with the exception of the month when I ended up getting the whole Student Insider thing, it was gone to PDC and all that stuff, where I, that month I used a bunch of minutes. Generally speaking, I don't get anywhere near my 450 minutes, largely because I text, because I, I know I don't want to go over the 450 minutes and have whatever I go over get taken out of my paycheck. Right. Yeah, it's simple, it's easy. Um, even grown-ups are doing it. Yeah, I, it's kind of surprised me how much grown-ups are actually adopting it. I mean, just today, my mom finally got her a texting plan on her phone. And I'm texting is my primary means of communication with my dad most of the time. And I've been kind of really surprised at how popular it's getting with the older generations. Yeah, I think what someone said that uh, texting has been pushed to the forefront mm-hmm. uh, due to American Idol um, that's ways raised the awareness of text messaging um, by leaps and bounds. Yeah, I think that was probably the biggest thing for it. Uh, to be honest, I've always found the whole texting your vote thing kind of annoying because it's a lot of them they'll charge you like a buck for it plus standard text messaging rates and whatever just kind of as a way to get some fan participation but at the same time make an extra buck per text or whatever which is just retarded mm-hmm. but that's one of the reasons I hate most reality TV shows the only one I really even watch anymore I think is Big Brother and even that, I don't really care for it near as much as I used to. 
Speaking but. of Big Brother and text messaging, uh, our next story is about the Supreme Court takes on a texting privacy case. Uh, skipped a story there. The oh. next one is the other kind of Big Brother. Apparently, right. the a cancer on cell phones. Cell phones. Yeah, a legislator in Maine is wanting um, cell phones to require warnings like you'd have for brain cancer, like you would have on a pack of cigarettes. And apparently when you go to, like, sell a cell phone or whatever, next to the price, in just as big a font as the price, you have to have warning in big red letters, and then it has to say cell phones can cause brain cancer or something like that, despite the fact that there is no proof to that. Yeah, I think they should have done something a little bit more logical, like maybe have it put how much radiation a, a specific phone, uh, cell phone gives off. Uh, people can say, I, they, people can come to their own conclusion saying that less radiation is safer, um, but uh, until there's a medical uh, conclusion saying that there's a high uh, likelihood of brain cancer due to cell phone radiation, I don't think someone should state that outright. Um, but I do think if people are concerned, you should at least put how much radiation a cell phone gives off. Yeah, and I know a number of... You can usually find how much radiation it gives off and stuff like that, because when the FCT, the FCC tests these different mobile devices, they have stuff with it all over the place um, showing like what how much radiation it gives off and stuff like that. Is from, from I heard something the other day that apparently they have some kind of a device that is basically like a mannequin or something like that that is filled with a gel and whatever that as you put the cell phone on next to your ear or whatever and activate it, it'll measure the different levels of like radiation in the body and stuff like that. But... No matter what, there's still been nothing to show that there's any risk of any kind of cancer or anything. And that's one of the things that the CTIA is coming out and saying is that there is nothing to show that there is that it poses any kind of a public health risk. If you're that worried about it, you can always get a Bluetooth headset and then you don't then the phone will be down at your hip, which I believe we talked about a, um, a study or whatever not too long ago that it reduces hip bone density, which apparently that's mm-hmm. proven. Not cancer, but hip bone density will go down if you're wearing your phone along your hip all the time like I do. But there's nothing to um, say that there's any other kind of health risk, which is what the CTIA is saying. But you, but you know the cell phone providers themselves, like AT&T and stuff, have to be loving this because if you can get people to use your cell, use their cell phones less and less because they think it's going to give them cancer, then that's going to be a whole lot less of a strain on the network, which for AT&T would be real nice mm-hmm. for them, and it's going to give them even less incentive to build out their network in the near future. Yeah, because those towers can cause cancers too. Mm-hmm. What I was going to say is that um, don't take it for granted that this is only in Maine. Uh, what happens in one state can affect the rest of the country. Uh, look at California, California's emission laws for cars. Um, it's too much of a problem to keep make a different product for one state and sell it uh, just there and not change the whole project uh, product across the line, uh, across the board. So if this does pass and this becomes a requirement for the state of Maine, it could affect all of us. As in, they might just start putting that, putting, um, putting that warning on all boxes, regardless of where it's sold. Yeah, I was kind of surprised that this didn't come out of California or something like that. That that's kind of where I f- would have figured that something like this would have come from. Yeah, it looks like they they actually are trying to do uh, similar uh, pass a similar law in San Francisco. Yeah, I, I don't know, it just seems kind of dumb to me, but then again, it, a lot of people just completely ignore warnings anyway, so I guess it doesn't matter all that much. 
Yeah, I know I would ignore it. But, yeah, there's... Well, I mean, you have all these stupid warnings on pretty much every product just because there is usually at least one idiot that's going to do something like iron his clothes with his while he's wearing his clothes. So then you'll get a warning with your iron, do not iron clothes while wearing them. I mean, how many people are going to be stupid enough to do something like that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Too many, I can tell you. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, speaking of what you can do with a phone, apparently the Supreme Court is going to decide if you're allowed to text with your with a business phone and your phone will be subject to inspections and like your messages and stuff by your employer. Yeah, saying if you use a uh, uh, using using a government or employee issued device and for personal business, does that in turn give you the same personal protection um, as if it was your own device? And that's a good question. Yeah, this is apparently coming out of a SWAT department in Ontario, California, where apparently a police sergeant had was given a pager which I didn't even realize pagers were still around but apparently there I guess they communicate with pagers and sending messages on pagers and they have a limit of 25,000 characters a month anything in excess of that um, then the employee would have to pay for well apparently as long as you never went over that limit the um SWAT team or the police department or whatever said that they wouldn't be inspecting your messages. Well, apparently they went ahead and decided to inspect this guy's messages to find out that only 57 out of 456 messages were related to official business. So he was doing all kinds of other stuff, which apparently was largely sexual in nature. Yeah, that's kind of strange <laughs> especially doing that on a work device um, but was that part of the restrictions they said that it has to be used only for business and that I can understand but if you give people a limit they'll work up to that limit and it looks like this is what this person did yeah it, I don't know it's, I kind of feel bad for the SWAT department if they're still on mm. pagers yeah I I don't even I don't even think I ever really saw a pager that you were actually able to type stuff into, so I'm not sure exactly how that would work. Oh yeah, I've seen those. It was one of the latest ones before they got phased out. They have a little flip up keyboard um, that you can type in a little QWERTY keyboard. Hmm. So it's a, they're, they call them two way pagers. Huh. We'll have to look into those. I've never even heard of those before. Yeah, but those are all analog, so I'm not sure how you would be able to use them in this case, uh, unless they have something um, newfangled just for the SWAT team. Yeah, I don't know. It, it it's just kind of it seems kind of strange, but this is definitely going to be a big case as far as, as um, what restriction or how much privacy an employee has when they're using a um, a business phone whether it's texting or phone calls or voicemails or whatever. Yeah, there's also a really wrong way to handling it. If he was sending that many text messages, you could have said, hey, dude, I, I see you're sending this many text messages and without looking at the exact correspondence. What is the deal? And have him own up to why he was using that, and I think he would have been smart enough to stop using it for non-work-related business. Yeah, it... This it just seems like they could have done this a whole different way instead of having to drag it all the way to the Supreme Court. Although at the same time, I think this is probably a good case for the Supreme Court and something that we need to kind of have these, just know exactly what the boundaries for something like this are. 
Yeah, I agree. We should know exactly what is and what is not legal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but taking a major shift in gears here, going from legal to profitable, which apparently Twitter is now profitable. And no, yeah, I'm not joking. <laughs> they locked down some really good search deals with Microsoft and Google uh, to give them access to some real-time search features. And I think the, the combined... Uh, profit from those two ventures uh, puts them into the black. Yeah, according to... I guess this came from a Bloomberg report, although I got it off of GigaOM. Apparently, operating costs of Twitter run between 20 and $25 million a year, which I guess that includes like servers, bandwidth, employees, all that kind of stuff, which I guess they're now up to 105 employees. Which I didn't realize they were quite that large, but apparently the Bing deal brought in ten million dollars a year. The Google deal brought in fifteen million dollars a year, which I'm kind of surprised at the difference on there. But now they're essentially operating at a profit. Although I don't know when I'm not sure if I would necessarily call it a true profit just because of how much has been invested in it by VCs at this point. Yeah, um, I saw that they're rolling out some business-oriented tools to help you kind of like co-tweet built into the Twitter website They allow you to tweet from a business account. So they are aiming towards businesses and trying to find the right model to make money. So this this profit from from the search engines seems more of a one-time thing than something that's ongoing. So mm-hmm. um, this is just a blip, an anomaly that they actually are making money uh, via via these deals. Uh, we'll probably see a large trough before um, they get back over the, into the, the black again. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see when they're actually going to go after some other money other than like these kind of deals, I'm kind of curious to see are they going to go after advertising or are they going to um, give you like maybe some trackable metrics and stuff and sell those to companies that are using Twitter and giving basically businesses that use Twitter special features and stuff like that. I'm kind of curious to see what they're going to do to actually make more money than something like this where basically they're essentially breaking even. Yeah. Uh, I think 2010 is going to be an interesting year for for them. Yeah, that'll be something good to talk about for our prediction show next week. Yes, definitely. But that is all of our stories for this week, actually. I think we're running a little on the long side. Yes, we are. But anyway, our tip of the week, before we get things wrapped up, is the complete in-flight Wi-Fi cheat sheet. Got this one over at Gizmodo where they pretty much run down all the different major airlines and which ones have Wi-Fi, which ones don't, how much they cost, what are your odds of getting a flight that has Wi-Fi, where like if you're on a Virgin America flight, you're definitely getting one, but if you're on a Southwest flight, probably not, just because apparently they've only got four planes connected right now in a fleet of over 500, so chances are you're not going to get Wi-Fi on there. Um, Stuff like that. So if you're doing any traveling here coming up in the near future or whatever, you might want to check this out so you have a good idea of who you want to fly with if you're looking for the possibility of getting Wi-Fi. And I think there's sites around that'll tell you exactly which flights and which routes and stuff have Wi-Fi for certain, but this is a good guide to get you going anyway. But anyway, that would be our show for this week. If you happen to have any comments or suggestions, don't forget to either stick them in the comments of the show, shoot me an email, pcnerd37 at globalgeeknews.com, or you can Twitter me, I am at pcnerd37, or Twitter globalgeeknews, which is at globalgeeknews. Or if you want, you can even... Stick your comments on the Global Geek News fan page on Facebook. I will, I check there as well. 
So don't forget to leave your predictions anywhere, everywhere. I don't care. I'll see them one way or the other. And don't forget to follow Wesley, who is Wesley83 on Twitter. And I know I'm forgetting something. I always forget something or is other. Is it a blog? A blog? Oh, yeah. Don't forget to check out the blog, globalgeeknews.com slash blog. And don't forget to check out globalgeeknews.com, which is where you can find all of the stories that we talked about today and the show notes for all of our other shows in case you happen to have fallen behind. And don't forget to subscribe via the RSS or via iTunes or whatever your podcatcher may be, the Zoom mark, the Zoom software or whatever. <coughs> Excuse me. But whatever you do, subscribe. Don't forget to tell everybody that you know about the podcast. Um, last I looked, 16 of the top 25 selling electronics right now on Amazon are MP3 or, or devices capable of MP3 playback, whether that's um, iPods, Kindles, GPS things, whatever. So that's kind of the big item again this year for Christmas. So if you're giving somebody a new iPod or whatever, tell them, hey, check out some free content, content check out the Global Geek News podcast, and just hook them up with a bunch of your favorite podcasts. They'll love you for it. Anyway, I guess that is all we have this week, so unless you got anything else to say, I guess we'll wrap it up right here. Nope, that's it. Everyone have a happy uh, holiday, happy uh, Christmas, uh, Kwanzaa, uh, Hanukkah, or whatever you celebrate. Yes, ha- happy, merry Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, or whatever to everybody, and a happy Festivus for everybody else, and we will see you guys next week with our prediction show. Later. All right, ciao.